Welcome back to the Go Within podcast. My name is Yasmin. I'm the founder of Sanya and I sit down in this little room in the back of Sanya and interview people that um, I like talking to about health and well-being, especially conversations which I feel you, the listener, will benefit from, either to support you on your own journey or to get you to ask new questions or introduce you to different ways of seeing things that are relevant to our own health. Today's conversation is with a good friend of mine, Ilona Busby. Um, Ilona is, as I said, a friend of mine. And the reason why I've invited her is because she's recently been through a phase where she felt very burnt out. And in fact, we met because she came to Sanya to get support in, in her journey. And I myself have been through burnout as well. So this conversation is is really a chat between two friends about what burnout is, what it's all about. and. The main reason why we sat down to have this chat is because we we both feel like it's very easy for us to ignore these sensitive topics. It's very easy to feel shame or feel very vulnerable from admitting that you might not be okay and that you might need help. And of course, this is something that I feel passionate about. This is why I created Sanya in the first place, <laughs> because I really feel like we all deserve to get support and we all deserve to know that we shouldn't feel guilty or feel like we are selfish for embarking on our own inner journey. So this chat, we covered a lot of topics. Um, it would be particularly relevant for anyone who's a mom out there because we talk about you know, the challenges of, of being a mom. And Ilona shares a little bit about her own experience of passing through burnout um, as a mom. Um, but even though we do kind of focus a little bit on the, the aspect of being a mother, this is relevant to everyone because anyone can experience burnout, whether you're single, married, mother, not a mother. I myself, I'm not a mom and I still went through a very intense phase of burnout. So I really hope that this will support you on your own journey. And if you know anyone who is going through burnout, who needs a bit of support, then I would love it for you to share this um, if you feel like it could help them, because this is what this podcast is all about, supporting the Go Within journey. So I hope you enjoy. Here's my chat with Ilona. So welcome, Ilona, to our podcast. Thank you for having me. So, <laughs> so the aim of this podcast is to talk about burnout, okay? because um, it's Mental Health Awareness Month and we at Sanya we thought burnout's a really good subject for this month to talk about because it's something that's very subtle and that is a mental health challenge that is very easy to ignore and not really take seriously as something that really affects our life. More intense conditions like depression, schizophrenia, whatever, all of the different mental health um, challenges out there, especially once people actually have a diagnosis, there's a little bit more conversation about, even though still a lot more to be desired. Burnout is something that can really fly under the radar for people. So I think the fact that we've both been through it, um, we can really share our experience and, you know, why we got burnt out, maybe stop some other people getting there and also how to deal with it when you actually have it and, and even after it. So I think it would be really nice to just, you know, chat, see where the chat goes and um, yeah, hopefully something useful will come out for those people listening. So shall we start from the situation? Like maybe you can share what got you to the point of burnout in the first place. So basically at this point, I can look back and understand why I got here. And if I had to give it a timeline, I would say that it started 20 years ago or more. Um, when I can't look back and say I took breaks, I never stopped. I don't know how to say no to things I feel responsible for, whether it's family, charity, friends. And I'm happy saying yes, which is the worst part of it, because if it made me unhappy, I wouldn't do it. But I love filling my days. I love planning in advance. I love thinking of the next thing and getting all excited about something I'm, I'm thinking about. And then COVID came and it took all the planning factor away. And I think that was, my, my system got shocked with the fact that I couldn't plan ahead. And that just messed me up completely because I felt what I thought was completely in my control. Silly things from planning what we're doing as a family to going abroad to the next birthday party to 
a charity event to a work event. Everything I taught, I knew what's going to happen in the next year, even longer, was just completely taken away. And all of a sudden, I found myself in a situation realizing that things can change from one day to the next and we, know how, we have to know how to deal with it. Uh, I think, I mean, this thing of like the fact that we do so much, I think is something that we really need to talk about because, I mean, it's definitely one of the reasons why I got bent out as well. Um, the overdoing and the responsibility and just, it's, it's weird because even though responsibility is a burden, there is a part of us that just wants to take on more, 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 more. And in fact, I was telling one of my clients this morning, like, we really need to ask ourselves why we're so uncomfortable doing nothing. Like, it, it, it is quite torturous to just do nothing because our identity and our belief about ourselves, like, when we, as you said, when we do things, we feel good. Like, you, you can go to sleep at night feeling like, I'm a worthy person, I did this, I accomplished that, so I'm okay. And we enjoyed it. Because it's not like something you're not enjoying. That's the worst part. Uh-huh. That's the thing, it's like even things you can enjoy can burn you out yes, by the end of it. definitely. Um, I think this is a message that people really need to hear because in our society, in our days, it is this go, go, go. Even if you don't want to do, there's so many things to do, especially you know, when you get to career age, family age, like, there is a lot of stuff anyway. And then if we're also approaching it from this mentality of like, I can't stop because in a way it makes you anxious, right, to stop. Um, and there's also the social expectation. Because if you're on social media, you say, Illami, what a good mother that person is. She does this and this with her children. Illami, how good that person's doing in their career. I should be doing something more. So you're always even measuring yourself against people when you shouldn't be. You should be just looking at your own stuff and maximizing what you can with the time. And as well as keeping a balance, which mm-hmm. is the problem. Mm-hmm. Keeping that balance between knowing how to stop, even in a family environment, even in a social environment, without feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. So how, how did you like try to manage to slow down? In the last few months? Yes, since you got burnt out. Basically listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, uh, when I met you, you made me realize that it's not okay to keep going down the road I was going down because I was going to end up feeling worse, which is very real. And even just learning how to spend 10 minutes meditating. I mean, I would, I never thought I'd enjoy yoga. I never thought I'd enjoy meditation. But now I've come to appreciate why we all should actually, we all need it. Because... Before, I used to think if I exercise, it has to be hardcore jogging or a spinning class or aerobics and full on because that's what I used to enjoy. When in reality, I needed the complete opposite to enjoy the slowness of listening to myself breathe and to actually empty my mind for just whether it's 10 minutes or an hour and trying to do it daily. So that has been one of the main things I'm trying to do. And learning how to do nothing, which I think it has been the biggest challenge. Like even sitting down with my children at home, watching them do what they're doing, but not actually having to check my emails, make a phone call, think of the next thing they need to do, do a load of washing, clear up. There's, listen, at the end of the day, as a mother with work, there's always something to think about. So if I wanted to today, I could still fill my days but the reality is that I know that me, it started with an anxiety attack, which I didn't even know what it meant because I have friends who have it and I, I felt sorry for them. I listened to them, but till it happens to you, you don't know what, what it means. And it started with fainting, feeling like I was going to faint. And I thought it was something to do with my blood, my blood pressure, my blood pressure or anything related to health or my heart and I was very worried about it, but ultimately it was anxiety related to burnout. And I knew nothing about it till this happened. And that's where the journey with you started. And that's how I got to know you. So it's all very new to me. I'm still learning. And, but the more time passes, the more I can see the direct link between 
what was happening to me and why my body was telling me stop because I'm going to if you're not going to stop I'm going to make you stop and it's always it's it, look I could have gone down the road of taking pills which is something most of us are used to doing like take medicine and it will help you which is sometimes a good thing to do but I think that if I did that I wouldn't have come down strongly on what the problem actually was and I would have gone back to being exactly how I was before. So I really believe that now, before I used to take it really badly and negatively that the anxiety attacks were happening and that I was out of control of my how I was feeling, that I couldn't do, I couldn't, sometimes I couldn't even walk a few meters without feeling like my heart, beat, my heart was going to come out of my chest. But the reality is I need it to... I'm taking it as a positive thing to show me that, listen, sometimes you just have to stop and see that something around you is not right. I think that's like a really beautiful message that people need to hear that if your body is telling you stop, <laughs> it's for a reason. And the funny thing is that we don't always realize or it takes some time to realize that actually it's a blessing. And I say this for myself, like, in fact, I, I tried recording a video about this this week that... Like once you've had burnout, your body is always a bit more sensitive to stress, or at least this has been my experience ever since I got burnt out. Um, I think it was now around four years ago. Um, ever since that time, I feel like my body is much more sensitive to stress. So when I push it and I start, you know, getting to that edge of abusing my body, my body is very quickly like, no, you need to stop. Um, and it's actually a blessing because... I was telling Larissa the other day, I was saying, if I didn't have these symptoms that sort of come up when I'm getting to that edge, I would be a maniac. <laughs> I would like completely abuse my body really sure. and truly because I'm very strong willed and I have this sort of, you know, vision that I want to do. And so it's very easy to just forget the body, forget its limitations and just keep pushing yourself. Um, so yes, in a way, thank God that the body says like, hold on, <laughs> like slow down. Um and I had sort of what you mentioned about the, the medicine, like if we just cover up the symptoms, we're never really going to understand. And then it could come back again. You stop taking the medicine and I think I'd end up in this situation and I still, I'd still have to face it at some point. Mm -hmm. So prolonging it is not going to make it better. Mm -hmm. You know, it's obviously just harder because as you know, to change your lifestyle is very hard. And this is why we will resist it. Right. Because it is hard to change habits. We've had 30 years, 40 For years. Sure. I had to change literally everything I believed I was and I stood for everything from start to finish. I'm, it's like I, I'm a new person, but at the end of the day, I think it's actually a beautiful experience I'm going through. And it's taught me so much about even who, how much support I have around me. I mean, sometimes, even though I've always had, I've, I've always been very lucky to have a supporting family, a supporting husband, friends, every, everyone around me has been great. But then when this happened, you see it even more and you start saying, these people actually really care about me and really want what's best. And this is something I really want to say, that if you see someone is even stressed, because we see it, we look at it as stress sometimes. It doesn't come across as anxiety, it doesn't come across as burnout. Some people don't even know what burnout means. And if the key people in your life do not support you, you could end up in a very bad place. It could end up being depression. It could end up being a very horrible place. So I'm thankful that my parents, my husband, my friends, you, everyone literally took it on and took me very seriously when I myself was playing it down completely because it's not something physical. I mean, I hurt my foot a few weeks ago. That's physical. Everyone can see it. I can't walk properly. So everyone's like, you need something. But when it's mental, everyone just blocks it out. If you don't make enough of a fuss. I didn't make a fuss and they still jumped on it. And even a very good friend of mine, in fact, got me to Sanya. And if she hadn't done that, I would have continued playing it down and waiting for it to go. And before I met you, I didn't realize that I actually reached burnout because in my head, what my life was normal. What I did was normal every day, but it actually wasn't normal at all. Because when I look back, I used to feel guilty stopping for a, going for a coffee with a friend. I used to feel guilty if I wanted a massage, if I wanted a manicure, a manicure, a pedicure, because I thought 
I'd be wasting one hour out of five hours I was without the kids to, to think about myself. How bad is that? You know? Uh-huh. In fact, like, what is normal is, like, a question that we really need to ask. But it's a really good point because a lot of the time with burnout, it's like we feel we don't have the right to be burnt out. Like, I haven't climbed Mount Everest or something like that. It's like, I've just been going about my day. But suddenly you're at this point where your body's like, I just can't go on. And... And in fact, one of the symptoms of like the technical um, definition of burnout, which to be honest, I don't quite agree with because it, it frames it in the, in the sense of work. Because it says like, if you're burnt out, you should be exhausted um, or really tired. And the second one is that you should um, feel very cynical or negative about your work. It's like you lose the drive to work, which, okay, if you work, yes. I mean, some people don't work, doesn't mean they don't get burnt out, exactly. <laughs> right? Um, but uh, I think that's something you experienced as well that like your relationship with your work changes and that can be very scary because most of the people who get burnt out are quite ambitious or career driven like they have this vision that they're working towards and then suddenly you're like I I just don't care anymore and it's weird I was always thinking about the next thing the next project bringing on more clients because I've been self-employed now for 12, 12 years um, and I found myself in a situation where I was like, why didn't I ever take maternity leave? Why didn't I take time off properly when I could have? And now I wish I did, because now I understand that my body actually needed it. And that's why we have these things, to take them, to make the most of them, to be able to do the next level better, whether it's being a parent, even taking just taking time off, even if you're not married and if you don't have kids. It, it's okay to take... a and I'm a month off, but I would feel guilty because I'd like, I know I have too much to do. I'd lose clients. This is not what I've, I've been doing all this for. And then I found myself in a situation where I was like, I could actually not work. And I was so taken aback by that <laughs> thought because I'm the person who, first of all, I love what I do and I still love it and I'm still working. But I couldn't believe that I got to the stage of feeling that if I didn't work, I would be relieved. I mean, I, I don't see myself ever not working, but still, the, the actual thought of me, that's how, that's how bad the point was, that I could see myself literally doing nothing. When you're self-employed, it's quite a scary thing, because if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, or whatever, like getting to that point where you just don't care about your own business anymore, is scary, obviously, because you have the responsibility still, but also because it's a big part of our identity, what we do, and then suddenly, I mean, I remember, I love Sanya, but I got to the point where I was like, I just can't do it. You know, I remember being at home, getting calls from work, it's really at home in the middle of the weekday, not working on my sofa. Like, I just can't face it. People calling me and just being like, I just can't pick it up. Like, I just don't, I just don't have the energy to deal with it. I mean, it's very scary to get to of that course. point. Um, and it's a really a challenge to kind of navigate through it. Um, I like kind of what you were saying that in a way like you do it's like you're rebirthing a new self <laughs> in it a way is. no I'm I really believe I've become a completely different person I mean I'm still Ilona and I mean this in fact you said you still never can imagine yourself not working exactly <laughs> it's still there exactly. but at the end of the day what's important changed you know like even enjoying the fact that I'm taking a morning off now when before it was like a no-go zone because I have so limited time to work because of my kids. Now it's like, oh, I'm going to take a few hours off, spend time alone with a friend or something. Now I'm enjoying it. Before it was like looking at the time, feeling guilty, checking my emails, waiting for the next call and not actually living in the moment. And that is the, I think... It's very easy to just go with the flow, follow everybody, but ultimately stopping, listening to your surroundings, taking it all in, even with our family and kids. Life, as we know, this year, what happened after what happened this year, can change in a moment. And even that has become very real for me. That life, when life is too fast, you don't you don't treasure those special moments as much as if you take it slower stupid things like I don't know enjoying your food 
I mean, eating fuss is really bad. You just literally go through life and not appreciate a special conversation, good foods, um, time off. I don't know. Little things, your kids really laughing, someone appreciating you. You just, they just go past and it just... No, I was trying to find this quote. Sorry, I'm being really rude. I'm looking at my phone, but... Um... Joy comes to us in ordinary moments. We risk missing out when we get too busy chasing down the extraordinary. That's what you are reminding me of. Um, and I, I think Facebook knows that I like these quotes because it's in, it sending me a few at the moment. But, um, it sent me another one. I probably won't be able to find it because it was a while ago. But it was basically saying how like, sort of we've become so ordinary that we can't see the extraordinary in the ordinary, something like that, but more poetic. Um, and it's true, like, this is the thing, right? That, like, even, okay, okay I don't have kids, but this is what I hear from other moms. Um, that, like, you know, they do grow up very fast, and if you're not there in that moment, um, I don't know, I had a, a friend, I think, who was telling me that she, told, she saw this photo of herself with her child when she was young, um, and she remembered, like, when she sees that photo now, she's like, how sweet, you know, how beautiful. And then she remembered back to that memory and remembered that she wasn't actually happy in that moment and she wasn't actually present. Um, and this is what happens. It's like, you look back at the photos, you say, how nice. But then you realise, like, Lummy, I wasn't actually present in the moment and really enjoying it. No, not when I see my kids today and I see photos like that. I wish I could go back. But then I tell myself, in a few years, I want to go back to this. That's why we have to be here now because my kids look older than they did when they went like when these photos of five years ago. But in five years, I'm gonna say how young they were now. I'm not appreciating. We're always waiting for the next thing in life, but it's about now and even about we're not spending enough time in nature. We're always on our computers and. I mean, even as adults, we're always checking our phones, even for friends, conversations, such as not only work. Mm-hmm. It's just, we literally don't take the time to say, let's go for a walk, put away the phones, let me listen to you at the table, put away the phone. Mm-hmm. The children are still young enough to enjoy our full attention. And a few years, we're going to be like, how oh, I wish I could go back when they wanted us to spend time with them. And we couldn't because we were working or because we were too distracted. It's constant distraction, and that's how I feel, and that is what's really sad, mm-hmm. that we are distracted all the time, and most of the time it's by rubbish. Mm-hmm. Because if you're scrolling through Facebook, which is something I do, I'm like, what am I doing, for example? It's, I mean, we all do it. So I'll tell Facebook to send you the quotes that they send me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but still, no, it's, it's a waste of time. Yes, totally. Literally. Totally. Time we, we think, think we have a lot of and we don't know what, we don't know how much time we have at the end of the day left. Sure. You know, it's like... I think the thing, that one of the biggest problems is that no one ever taught us how to be in the moment. That's the truth. I mean, when I first started practicing meditation, it was a shock to my system and that, it was the thing that taught me, okay, like, stay here, don't go to the future or to the past. But it was very hard in the beginning and it is a bit of a shame that we weren't taught these things at a young age. And I really think they should start teaching it in schools. I really believe that it, yoga and meditation should be part of school because kids today, they're going to be worse than us. Yes. They have so much information being put towards them, whether it's through the internet, school. They're learning much more than we did at their age and they're advancing much faster so we need to slow that down. And to slow that down, the only way to do it, because we're not even giving them what we had, the, you could play in the street, time, it, time's different when you're, literally when you have free play, we can't let them play in the street and do the things we used to do freely because it was less dangerous or it was, it was a, just a different time, you know, less traffic, less problems, whatever. But, so I think we need to give them the tools to know that, it's normal to have it in your life, that it should be part of life. Mm-hmm. Not get to this stage to have to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if COVID didn't happen last year, I think I would have kept going on as I was. And at some point, the shit would have literally hit the fan. And everything I worked hard for, whether it's 
relationships, marriage, friendships, work would have literally just, even though I tell you, for example, I wish I could cut down on work. I'm sure I don't, long term, it's not real, realistic. So you want things to remain balanced and in your life, which is what we all strive for. So if you let it go too far, then you have nothing. You lose everything. So that's what COVID, in a way, even though it was a very, very, very hard year, it made me realize that I'm 39. I'm still in time. Hopefully, I have many more years left. And I literally had a midlife crisis, which changed my perception of everything around me. But it's a very good change. At the beginning, I took it super badly. I was like, I can't do this. This is not who I am. There's no way I'm going to be able to change. But I changed and I'm happy to take on the change. And you've seen it. And I'm still surprised that I took it on. And I'm actually following this new part. Hopefully I will stay on it because you never know. But I, I really think that people should understand. And even if you haven't reached burnout, I mean, before burnout, I used to get... I used to get a cold. I used to get sick. I used to feel it coming because of a very stressful week. I used to get sick for a few days and it would, I go back to normal. If you see that your body's giving you signs because of stress, you need to do something about it because getting to burnout stage is no joke and it's not fun because it's still a long process. Even though I'm happy I got all the signs, it was not a nice place to be at. And losing your identity literally from one day to the next is much harder than you finding a balance in a life where we forget that it's important. I really like the thing of like, either you're going to choose a day or life's going to choose a day for you. And if life chooses a day for you, it's going to be a lot more inconvenient. Exactly. Like you don't know when you're going to hit burnout, so you're going to wake up and not be able to get out of bed. Um, and I think this is really important for mums because I hear so many mums say, like, I don't have time for myself. Like, they they this feeling of guilt of actually putting any investment into their own head is really, really strong. And it's not good, obviously, because if you get to burnout, then you're still not going to be able to meet your responsibilities. But also another thing is, like, we are modelling this behaviour for our children. And every mother wants their children to care for their own health. <laughs> but then they're showing them an example that their own health doesn't matter. In fact, I always tell this to, to my clients, especially who are moms, who say like, I want, you know, a, a lot of moms have daughters with anxiety at the moment. It's something that I see very, very regularly. Um, and I always say, if you want your daughter not to have anxiety, then you need to be prioritizing your own health and making sure you're not <laughs> having anxiety and stress and burnout. And, you know, anxiety for one person is very different to another. Some people might get physical symptoms, but for other people, it's just being irritable. Your memory not working very well, forgetting things, you know, um, being addicted to your mobile and scrolling. Different kinds of coping mechanisms where you can't say, oh, I'm super anxious, right? But your behavior is still not optimal it's still not and it's still a sign you're still not happy at the end of the day exactly. right and the worst thing for kids is parents who are not happy really and truly um, I think this is actually something really good to talk about because it can be a lot of stress as well for mums <laughs> right like there is this thing of like we need to take responsibility for the fact that our behaviour affects our kids but at the same time like that's quite a big burden to carry and it, it needs to be carried lightly and not too heavily as well I don't know if you want to share anything about that. <laughs> Just to put you on the spot. No, as you know, one of the reasons that pushed me to burnout was my daughter getting anxiety. She, it was there before. It was subtle, but COVID took it to another level. And looking back now, I realize that she, I mean, I'm very aware she's a very sensitive kid, more, more sensitive than others. And she was picking up on me, her major... What drove her to being anxious was myself. Now I can see it. Now I can admit it. Um, because she's never seen me unhappy. And I was automatically thrown into a place where when you take control, I'm a planner. I'm a natural planner. It's what I do for a living. I love it. I'm always trying to plan other people's lives and every shit, as you know. 
in every way, shape or form. And when that was taken away, I was lost completely. I mean, I was panicking even about what was happening in Italy at the beginning with COVID. I never worried about sickness before. All of a sudden she was, I, I mean, I think she was seeing this mother who from being in control and happy and, you know, relaxed and always planning stuff and thinking of the next thing to someone who was a mess, realistically. I mean, I wasn't that bad, but still I wasn't myself and she could feel it. I wasn't thinking it was that dramatic a change, but it was there. I mean, we all changed. My husband changed, my kids changed, everyone around me changed. So, but at the end of the day, the kids pick up most on the mother. So I take responsibility for it. There was no way out of it because it is what it is. Everyone's life changed in the last year. But ultimately, in a normal day-to-day world, we have to be careful to make sure that the kids, even though we want them, I want my daughter to see me as who I became out of ambition and being self-employed as a woman and achieving what I did. Of course, I want her to see that. But at the same point, I also want to see a mom who enjoys spending time with her friends, who is okay going for a massage, not not saying it because mommy shouldn't have a massage or mommy shouldn't take an hour off to have a manicure or a pedicure. So what? And if she wants to spend her money on that, it's okay as well. Not, you know, there's always guilt for mothers all the time. We always feel guilty for thinking about ourselves first. People always tell us, if we're happy, we, we can make everyone else happy in the family. If we're not happy and we're not looking after us, how can ourselves, how can we look after everyone? Mm. And that is so important. And life has changed. Before, mothers who didn't work, I don't know how they, they did it as well, because I couldn't be at home all the time. Jeffrey, I'm not saying it was easier. But they had one role. Not they take on five because they want to be everything for their children. They start putting in too much. Nowadays, there's just too much happening in our lives, you know? So we have to be very careful to keep the balance. It's always about balance. Um, I think I just want to, like, pause on that point of, like, the fact that you took responsibility for the fact that your state was affecting your daughters. Like, that's a huge thing. I'm going to boost your ego a bit. <laughs> um, but seriously, like I think it's something we need to talk about because I think as a mother, from what I see from my clients, to accept the fact that we are hurting our children is extremely painful. Like they're the thing we love the most, the thing that we want the best for. And to sort of admit that you know some of our behavior might be hurting them is very, very hard and it takes a lot of strength. But I think we need to normalize it, to be honest, because there is not a mom in the history of this planet who has not hurt her kid in some way. Like, it just, it comes with the territory. You cannot be a perfect mother. You cannot never hurt your kids. And I don't even think it's the point, right? Like, it's not the point to raise a kid and never, ever give them pain. The point is to model how to deal with pain because they're going to face pain and eventually. They need to see that at the end of the day, mommy did something about a problem. Exactly. And if I'm ever in that situation, which she was in, she got anxiety before me because I've never had it in my life. She can see that I did something about it. She did something about it. And we did it together. And together we can make things change. I don't want her to grow up and feel we never spoke about it. It wasn't something there. I mean, that's much worse that in 20 years time, 30 years time, she'll have to deal with it alone and find out why she's the way she is because of things I didn't own up to or I didn't decide to tackle because I'm tackling her as well. By helping myself, I'm helping her, which is one of the biggest things I learned, you know. And obviously I'm helping her in other ways. But it's quite, it's it's big that you see how you can change your daughter. Okay, COVID, I say it again, didn't help. If COVID didn't happen, we wouldn't be, I wouldn't even be here. And I wouldn't have met you. So life has a weird way of showing us what we're doing wrong, why, how. But then it's up to us to take responsibility, to say it has to stop. It's not okay to just look the other way and say, we are, another day will come, we'll get over it and we'll forget about it. If you forget about it, then it's on you. And then it will affect your children and it will become one whole mess. It affects your marriage, your friendships, and you lose everything. 
So that's why it's super important that when the signs are there, you t- you literally take hold of them and they you change you tr- try and start changing. And probably you ask me, how do you change? You have to find that safe space, that person, someone to guide you to be able to be a better version of yourself. I think sort of this thing of like owning up to our responsibility for the situation we've created, part of the reason why it's so scary is we don't have people around us who are telling us it's okay. Right? Like we're all trying to pretend like we all have it under control and that we're all fine, like we're all not doing anything wrong and we have so much shame for the things that we're screwing up on. So definitely I really agree with that. Like it is really important and also it's something that we need to know as human beings because as much as we each need the support, we are also the supporter for others. And something I've seen through my work at Sanya this last five years is that we've forgotten how to support each other. Because we're primarily, our primary concern is how to fix each other. And as soon as we try to fix someone else, what we're doing is telling them, you're not okay how you are. And I think that is something, like a real message that I want to get out through this podcast as well. Is like, can we just be a bit more kind with each other to just hear each other out without trying to fix, without trying to solve, without, and without saying, trying to judge. And without trying to judge. Because we all, without wanting to, we're always comparing ourselves to each other, which is really bad. We're all different. How I handle something is not how you would handle it. But ultimately, we're trying our best, whether it's by being a parent, by in our job, by being a friend. But when we compare ourselves and judge others... I you never know what that person is going through. Like most people would have never known that I've reached this point. Because it's not visible. But we all have our hidden burdens. And that's why we should be kinder and be willing to listen. And we we're too ready to jump to conclusions that why should she complain? She has such a good life. She has all the support and money in the world. Why should she be complaining? This attitude. It doesn't mean anything. You know, we all have our battles, all of us. How we deal with them is different, but ultimately we all need the same thing, support. Yeah, I was just saying to another client this morning that like we all face pain, whether we're rich, we're poor, we're fat, we're thin, we're this, we're that, man, woman, we all have our pain. And I think this is something really sad in in nowadays society that many people don't feel safe actually to express who they really are so we're all kind of walking around with these masks on when actually the only thing we need to heal and help each other heal is just be there for each other and and say it's okay to feel however you're feeling you have kids that you love but today they're driving you mad and you want to kill them that's okay (laughs) (laughs) and you know it has to and unfortunately many people have you know people in their lives whether it's their mother-in-law or their mother or their parents or their spouse or their whatever who actually make them feel the exact opposite so then it's even more of an uphill battle because not only do you not have the safe space but once you have you know more people actually judging you literally to your face and telling you you're not good enough and i mean how are we supposed to survive as human beings in that environment And so I think conversations like this are really important because we need to normalize this stuff. Um, I mean, I always come back to that thing of like, how are we going to process our emotions? It's like, whatever anyone's facing, I'm like, okay, emotion, how do we feel? Um, And I think a lot of people have this idea that if we're going to go to the emotion, it's going to be... A horror show like first of all if we're gonna go to the emotion we're gonna have to sort of pull other people into our life right like for example if I'm gonna deal with my own pain then I might have to admit that someone that I love did something that hurt me I mean I don't want to admit that because I want to see them good Um, you know maybe I feel like if I'm going to go back to that pain then I'm just gonna be indulging in it and I'm gonna be having a pity party I'm feeling sorry for myself or I'm gonna get stuck in it Um, And I think this is something as well, again, that a lot of moms really face. Um, In my last podcast with Lydia, she was saying how actually women are really good because they always have friends that they like to complain to and it's it's a part of healing, Um, which is true. But at the end of the day, I I think it's also not just about complaining, but about actually finding those tools which 
we help you release your emotions. And like my friends and I say, having good friends around you is like therapy. Because you're, you're in that safe space where you can actually say exactly how you feel about what's going on. But you have to be lucky enough to have those friends. Mm-hmm. Because not everybody yeah. has friends they can actually count on yeah. and be themselves. Because I've, I've seen many people around me because there's a lot of fakeness as well. Not, I'm not saying my friends. I'm saying I see people, you can see they're not being themselves. And why aren't they being themselves? It's like they're living up to a social expectation or someone's putting pressure on them to be someone they're not. And that's very sad to see because they can never be happy. How can they help themselves to help others? And they will also reach emotional um, burnout at some point because there's so much you can do to suppress who you're meant to be and what you're meant to do, you know? Yeah, going back to the kids, this is why it's so important, right? Because a lot of, like, one of the reasons I believe that that happens is because we're told from a young age that how you feel is not right. So we're constantly being told, even in subtle ways, in big ways, by very loving parents who don't even really mean to do this, but, for example, your child falls down and hurts themselves and they're crying. And you tell them, oh, we, uh, it wasn't a big fall, why are you making a fuss? Like, that can come from a place of supreme love from a great parent but we're still telling the kid how you feel and how you should feel are two different things and of course then we've created a society where people are not really being their true self and I think the saddest part of it is not that we can't be ourselves to others but we actually get to the point where we can't even be ourselves to ourselves. I remember when I was very young I had this really bad and I, I always felt like I had to be strong when I was young so I wouldn't express pain, I would, this was all unconscious, I never said, like, I'm going to suppress my pain, <laughs> like, it just, it just happened, uh, and I remember once I was, I was in an all-girls boarding school, and we were watching Armageddon, which is, like, the saddest film ever, and it came to that scene at the end, you know, everyone was crying, like, the whole room, imagine, like, 13-year-old, 14-year-old kids, everyone crying, and I just couldn't cry, and I really noticed it, and I was like, this is really weird. Like, why can't I cry? It's like, I couldn't let myself be vulnerable. And then, like, you know, life continued. I didn't have any coping tools at that point. I didn't have any tools to help me understand myself. So it was only when I was about, I think, 23 that I actually started doing things to feel my own emotion. And then I had to work at it because I had spent all of this time just sucking it up. And saying like, no, your emotion, put it down there because it's dangerous. It's, it's, you'll be weak, you'll be vulnerable, you know. And then I had to do lots of breathing <laughs> and therapy to like actually learn how to feel myself again and actually start to be able to express myself. And then there's a the complete opposite to that. As you know, I'm very good at crying. I cry easily, which is good because I release any emotion. I never liked it because I used to feel like I would be judged. I'm judged, which is a reality because I could cry. If I'm sad, I, I could cry. It just comes out. It's gone. And I'm like, please don't cry. Please don't cry in my head. I d- you don't want to show that vulnerable side. I have no choice because it's who I am and I cry very easily. But it's not good to judge people who want to show their emotion or children. You know, we have emotions for a reason. They're meant to come out. They're not meant to be suppressed. If suppressed, you'll end up unwell and causing other problems so even that we have we just have to be more sympathetic and more kind and just accept people exactly for who they're trying to be because there's no perfect type of person we are who we are we're trying everyone's trying their best i mean obviously you have better people and there are people who are not being nice or whatever but ultimately we all have our challenges and we are trying to do what we can with what we have. Yeah, I mean, pain creates pain, right? So, like, even people who are in having a lot of problems or are acting in weird ways, I don't think any baby is born into this planet, like, wanting to be bad, you know? It's just we get hurt and then we hurt. And I think this is, you know, like, going back to the schools, like, they need to sort this out. <laughs> Because we need these tools. It's really freaky that you can get to 23 and you can know how to start a company. You can have babies. You can 
own a gun. <laughs> Yet your own emotions, like no one ever taught you how the hell to deal with it. It's crazy when you think about it. For sure. Maybe we can talk a little bit about asking for help in general, because I think it's something that's very important in burnout. And I think it's something that we also both struggled with. <laughs> so maybe we can share how hard it was to learn how to ask for help. You want to go first? Or? So basically on the subject, um, it could literally be just at home, for example. I'm used to doing a lot of things. I enjoy it. It's the same concept of having a full day. And I have this problem of asking for someone to help me, whether it's my husband, my daughter, my son, my mother. And normally I have the attitude, Ole, I can do it myself. I don't need to bother them to do it. But saying no to, first of all, the more you say no, the less people are going to offer help because they say she does not want my help, which is fair enough. If you say no too much, you end up doing more, taking on more, and it becomes frustrating. And deep down, you have an expectation of some help, but you don't even know how to reach out. So it's really important to learn and to know when the time comes to ask for help. Like, as I mentioned, I hit my foot a few weeks ago. And I had no choice at that point. And in my head, I was like, but why didn't I ask for this kind of help? Even when I felt anxious, even when I was at my worst, I couldn't even get up because of the fainting spells, which was the burnout. Why did it have to be a physical injury stopping me from actually walking? I, I actually couldn't get out to pick up my kids, to go and buy, to, say, to feel it's okay, to accept the help. Why does it have to be so dramatic, you know? And this is what I don't get, especially from us moms. I mean, I'm saying it about myself. It's always about guilt. You know, we think we can do it all ourselves and we think we don't have a right to be helped. And I'm lucky my husband is very willing to support me in any way. He's never told me I won't do that job or definitely no. He'll say yes to everything. But when it comes to help and asking for silly things in the house, whatever. But I still sometimes find it hard to say, I need help. Just those three words, I need help. Or to tell my parents, I when I told them, I felt so relieved. But to get to the point of telling them that I was I, I was in burnout and I was anxious, because we've none of us have ever been through it, it was so hard to actually say it. No, I have very supportive parents. What did I think they were going to do? Tell me, no, it's not a problem. They took it on so well. They supported me in so many different ways. And every little bit of support I got from them, my husband and everyone around me, helped to make it feel like it's okay to be feeling how I was feeling. But if you have people shooting you down and telling you, I mean, no one's ever told me you don't have the right to ask for that help. And that's how we think we should feel. What's uh, I mean, I think obviously like accepting our needs and being vulnerable, it is vulnerable, right? And even though we've never been told no, which is a very lucky thing because many people do actually get told no, right? Um, that thing of like we're putting our power in someone else's hands at the end of the day because as soon as that person has the chance to tell you no, it's going to hurt and we're going to feel really bruised and, and vulnerable so I think we we have to kind of one understand like listen there are relationships where it's safe to say what you need and it's our choice that we're choosing not to and then very often we're choosing exactly. not to and then resenting those people for not even helping us exactly you know, I ask this to my clients all the time and they say oh this person's not helping me with this usually it's the husband that gets it <laughs> like oh he's not helping me with this I'm like did you ever ask and like really often which always surprises me they say no like no I haven't asked like he should just know <laughs> that's a very common thing very to common, say very common very <laughs> common um, but at the end of the day you do have to have the balls or the womb <laughs> to say <laughs> sorry <laughs> to say like yes I need help and this is what I need and if we do get shut down then we need to understand that this relationship is not a relationship we can rely on for support. And many people have that even with their partners, right? With their spouses, that their, their partner is not in a physical or mental state to offer them support. And 
we also just need to understand that and whether we want to be with that person or not we can still choose to be with that person but we need to understand that i have this need and i need to fulfill it somehow so for example many men are not very emotionally supportive that's okay. You don't necessarily have to have that in a relationship. Of course, it's going to be better if you have emotional intimacy. You find it in a friendship. Yes, we can get emotional support from friends or family, parents, whatever, whatever, right? But it's just the fact of like, I have this need and I need to meet it. Because if we don't sort of take responsibility for that need ourselves, then what we do is we just keep resenting everyone around us and also feeling sorry for ourselves or that no one helped me with this need. Um, so I think that that is something... Like, we have to take ownership of and, and embrace the vulnerability of it. I mean, I'm totally guilty of this as well. Um, and this is why we can have these conversations, because we're both guilty of all of these things. Um, but yes, it is hard to ask for help sometimes, very often. But it's, it's, it's a practice, right? Like, with everything. Like, you're going to practice it once, it's going to be super uncomfortable the second time, it's going to be a little bit less uncomfortable, and eventually it's just going to become okay. And what surprises me most is we're all very eager to help others. But we won't ask for help for ourselves. Yes. So we'll, we'll offer, listen, if you, if, you, if you need it, just tell me, I'll be there for you. We're always trying to. But then to ask for help, it's so much harder. Mm. It's, it's so sad mm. in a way. I think we, we feel like we're the burden then. So it's like, I enjoy helping you. But if you're going to help me, I'll be like, Lama, what a burden I am. Even though me helping you, I would never see you as a burden. So we should know it's reciprocated. Yes. But for some reason, we just like can't get out of this mindset. But... What I realize in my journey is that it actually feels good to be vulnerable. When you have the people who you can trust, it feels good actually to take that risk and say, I need help and actually let yourself receive it. And we don't realize that not everybody's lucky enough to have that help. Yes. Some people are alone. There are some, I know, I've heard of many cases where they have no one to turn to. You know, single moms, older, like the elderly. I mean... If you have, if you're lucky enough to have a support system, and whether it's friends, family, whatever, just take it. Because that will help you not getting to burnout or getting to a really bad stage, which will affect everybody around you. I, I remembered something you told me. You had told me if tomorrow you, were in, you had to be in an accident, you break both your legs and your arms, what would, how would you feel? And at that time, I was like, oh my God. I can't even begin to imagine. The more we let people help us, the less we feel like we're irreplaceable. I don't like thinking I'm irreplaceable because if, God forbid, something happens to me tomorrow, I don't want to feel my kids aren't in good hands, whether it's with my husband, my parents, my friends. I want to know that I've shared enough about them and shared my burden enough, if I can, to know that if I'm not here, there's someone else to pick up from where I stopped. I know it's dramatic, but <laughs> but it's true. You you can't just have that one point of reference and that support just coming from one person because ultimately, no, everyone does not benefit if something happens, you know? In fact, in the workplace, like this is a common thing with leaders, right? A good leader should make themselves completely replaceable, right? They should have a team. That it's not can... what happens. It's not what happens, right? Because of our egos most of the time and our... Our different issues but it is the same at home and in our intimate relationships like we do need to open up enough that we're not so like clinging on to this control because if we're the only one in control of everything if something happens to us everything breaks and I mean it just comes back again and again to the vulnerability issue right like to let go of control is extremely vulnerable as I think you know <laughs> and I know too <laughs> both, both have to learn how to, how to let go of control but at the same time it comes with a really beautiful reward right like when you do let go of control you're actually a lot happier you're a lot less tense you have less fears vulnerability feels good as well it's actually you can't have a relationship without give and take there's no you can't have a relationship that's only give or only take they're not fulfilling for both sides so Yes, it's hard and we have to learn, but at the end of the day, we're going to be so much happier if we do this. And if you feel like you're a leader, naturally, it's okay to feel like it, you, you, don't, you can't be anymore. It's good to, be, to replace both sides. So it, I could be a leader one day and I could follow the next and vice versa. You don't have to 
take a role in a relationship or in your life and feel like it's a burden to keep up with it because sometimes we put ourselves in a position where we take on certain responsibility and certain things and we find it very hard to go back on them because we would have taken on too much. It's okay to change. It's okay to one day be one way and one day be another because we can't be everything we may be taught we, sh- we should be or could be. And we, we usually find we don't want to be. Like exactly. being a leader all the time is tiring. It's, it's unnaturally. Like I love this idea of like if you're going to be a good leader, you need to learn how to be a good follower. And if you want to be a good follower, you need to learn how to be a good leader. So we need both. We need to express both sides of ourselves. And I think this is something that obviously with the whole change in the way women are in the world and the way we see ourselves, like a lot of women want to be leaders nowadays. And that's coming at a cost. And that cost is we don't realize how enjoyable being a follower can be. <laughs> that's why it's good to it's, be both. It's good, exactly. We need both. And you need a partner to... to love and support you, whichever role you decide to take, and vice versa. Because you can't say, my husband can't be the leader because I want to be like a leader like him, or I, 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 want, to be the, I want to follow. It should be interchangeable all the time. And that's what leads to a balanced, healthy relationship. That you are let to take the role you want to take and the role you can take in your state of mind of that time, because everything changes. I mean, this is a whole other podcast, yes. that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Because this is a this is a huge topic, relationships and and how to manage these kind of energies. Because very often we get into a relationship in one state of mind, and then we grow and we change, and the relationship needs to change and adjust. Like, you know. But this, my point is, this can lead to burnout as well. Yes, definitely. Because if you keep trying to stay on the same path, when life changes part changes our path all the time, so you have to literally adapt. And it's okay to adapt. Mm-hmm. If you think it's not okay, then it's going to contribute to you burning out. Yeah, definitely. And it feels good to change. Definitely. And experience something different. For sure. <laughs> so I think we'll wrap up here. We've actually been talking for quite a while. Um, usually I end the podcast with asking, like, if you had to, if someone's listening to this, right, and they're like, Lummy, I have burnout, I need to go within, like, I don't know if anything comes to mind that you would share to them, like, something that would help them. Um, like I mentioned before, finding that safe space to be who you are with, in a, so either relationships within your reach, whether it's a friendship, family, husband, wife, partner, whatever. Um, and if needed, you go outside of that. So a psychologist, you, um, Yasmin, <laughs> um, even just finding that place, like Sanya, to come and spend some time on your own, to have a swim, for a massage. That is the start of you admitting that you need to get out of what you feel is keeping you stuck in there. And slowing down, slowing your pace. I think that's the biggest one of all. Learning how to take it easy, things can wait. Nothing's going to change. I mean, if something happens to me tomorrow, what's going to... What, there's nothing that can't happen without me. Everything I'll keep going on. So I think slowing down is the biggest, the hardest thing I'm learning. But I'm taking it on and I'm trying my best because ultimately I feel much better with it. Beautiful. I'm really glad you mentioned that because I, I agree. It's just when it comes to burnout, going slow is the best thing that you can do for yourself. And uh, it is a challenge, but there's actually a lot of things that can help us learn how to do it. And uh, treasure those friends who tell you to slow down when you're not <laughs> slowing down. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks, Il. I think that was a really nice chat. Um, and what I like the most about this conversation, honestly, is like very often I, I interview people who are sort of like a psychologist or a this or a that. And, but like we're just two people who have experienced burnout. And I think... Um, it's real. Yeah, you show this, that it's very real. the real story of our lives. Um, so I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who can relate to this because a lot of people feel this way. And it can be very, very lonely to feel like there's something wrong with you. Um, and that you're not keeping up. 
it's horrible feeling like that. It is. And feeling like it's going to last forever as well. So to anyone listening, if you do, if you are feeling burnt out, then it's really okay. Um, slow down, as Ilona said, and just find the, the help that you need to go on your own. In Reach gym. out, even to us, if you want. Because sometimes you think it it's actually feels worse than it actually is. Sometimes it literally takes slowing down, which just sounds so simple, mm-hmm. but it is. Yeah. We all need support and exactly. actually it's a beautiful part of the human experience is to connect with others who've had similar experiences to us. So thank you everyone for following the podcast. Um, you know, this is called the, Go- called the Go Within podcast. So my inspiration with these chats is always to give you support on your own inner journey. So if you feel like anyone you know is going through burnout or will benefit from this conversation then please share it and um, as always I love to hear your feedback because it really motivates me to keep recording these episodes which I do pretty much just for fun (laughs) and just to put this little bit of inspiration out into the world so thank you everyone for listening and see you next episode